0: All right, Matt just accused me of being 90 years old when I thought it was a very sensible thing that I was I'll doing. I'll teach you basic I, 1990s I, technology I, someday, Jim. I am great on basic 1990s technology. I don't think you are. I know how to work a VHS. Yes. I, I know how to work an AM, FM radio. Okay, and early tune, aughts. Too early dial, aughts. Yeah, Maybe the that's where it gets out
1: of your wheelhouse. Okay, yeah.
0: Well, I mean, I was just, uh, I was just writing some things down, copying some notes on a notepad. On, yeah, of some, a flyer, of you a f- were f- writing
1: yeah. notes down on paper with a pen. <laughs> yeah. Seemingly right. unaware you could
0: use that device would, and just take a photograph. I am very aware. I had actually just taken a photograph of it with my phone until I realized. Once again, we're recording with my phone and I wanna leave my phone in the same spot the whole time. I don't wanna be looking at things on my phone while we're recording. So that's-
1: You're 90 years old. That's
0: what I'm- (laughs) Well, Gilbert calls me 50 all the time. (laughs) So like whenever I just, you know, doze off at eight o'clock while watching anything on TV, because I guess I'm happy and relaxed, and dozing off means I'm 50 years old. Whatever. By the way, he's he's been making that joke for 10 years since I was like 35. He's gonna have to bump it up fit, to 60. Points, I know. I was like, you're almost actually 50. C- yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm just kind of like, okay, now 50. That's just <laughs> now you're making fun of us because he's older than me. He's 40 <laughs> to he say. He's no, don't, say don't
1: say it. Don't say he's it. A, <laughs> He'll never forgive you if you say his actual age. Well, I
0: actually tell him because he he does the whole he does the whole dog and pony show. When people will ask him how old he is, yeah. and he'll still say like 28 or 33 or something like that, And I'm like, tell them how old you really are because now you get you, you'll get compliments on, I wow, the wow, you don't, know, I would have never guessed. Like those are the aren't those the compliments you want at this point? Mm. Or do you? St- <laughs> I'm, I think I'm with
1: Gilbert. It <laughs> sucks to be old. <laughs> Just because you don't look old doesn't mean you aren't old.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well. I... I felt old this morning. I'll tell you, but I did. I found a, uh, I've, I've found a calling in life, uh, a purpose and meaning, a way to make a difference in the world and to affect people positively. <clears throat> and um, it is you know, Nancy Reagan had just say no to drugs. Uh-huh. I think I'm going to have to say just say no to caramel corn. It it tore me apart. It ate me alive. I had a horrible morning. I get it is it's an addictive. Drug that does nothing but bad things to your body. Carmel I don't corn. like it. So I've I'm never serious. Had that. It's it's uh, it's got the sugar and the carbs and the fat. And I swear, every time I have it, it's it's like crack. I'll keep eating it. I know it's bad for me, but it's 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 a drug that that, that is proven to bring me back. And uh, I paid for it this morning. So kids, do not say no to caramel corn. There's a lot of things you could say no to. Caramel corn, though, not good for your life. Not good for your I've been soul. No it's to bad for your soul. The
1: whole life, just because I think it's gross. But. You think it's gross? Yeah. Okay.
0: All right. That's fine. Uh, we both had some. We both had some traveling weekends um, to talk about that were fun. And yours, look, I uh, y- you got to go cover college football in a major league baseball venue. Mm-hmm. I got to go cover Division two football in a major college venue. I sw- that's that's a joke. Nebraska, Northern Illinois, yeah, Division gotcha. two. Okay. Uh, you went to the Twin Cities to cover the Jacks, and I saw the tweets. Uh, feel, feels like it was uh, once in a once-in-a-lifetime experience, might be a little over the top, but it, it was weird enough to kind of be once-in-a-lifetime, because you're probably never going to cover a football game at Target Field again unless the I, Jacks do it again.
1: I get the sense it's a one-time thing, yeah. so yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, but but in, For lack of other questions to ask you, what was it like? Um, you know,
1: surreal feels like a little bit too strong of a word. Um, But it was kind of weird, you know, especially um, I watched most of it from the press box, but I spent the whole third quarter down on the field. I wanted to go down on the field and be field level to see it. And, you know, having the Minneapolis skyline in the background and the outfield fences and everything while they played football did feel a little strange, whatever. The atmosphere was not what I would call an intense college football atmosphere, in part because the game was never terribly uh, competitive. In part because the place is only half full. The Jacks got a crowd of 18,000, which, you know, doesn't sound amazing, but I thought was kind of about what we were expecting. Yeah, it was
0: about my prediction. Yep,
1: and uh, and to their credit, they were in the right places. You know, the, the sideline of the Jacks' home sideline was completely full. Um, but they're so far away from the field, too. Uh, they didn't even sell tickets in, like, the first four rows of that lower level. So the closest fans to the field were still well back from i think because they figured they'd just be staring at the players butts Yeah, if sitting there i'm not quite sure if that was part of it but anyway
0: well you um, could have you could have dragged about 200 guys down from the uh, saloon bar up down Hennepin avenue and they'd be just fine with those seats yeah yeah anyway um, but
1: so it wasn't really loud and and it, and it didn't have you know the feel of a real uh, i don't, don't want to say didn't have the feel of a real home game because it actually did they they let, you know, they had the Jacks all the exact same in-game in audio and video, same PA, PA guy, you know, the same highlight video beforehand, the same sound effects for first downs or third downs or all this, the things. So they did everything they could. Uh, the Twins got, or the Jacks got to use the Twins locker room as their locker room. Um, you know, it they, it had all the, all the bells and whistles, so to speak. Uh, and, and, you know, you're playing on the... You're playing on the field. You know, the home plate was not even in in bounds. It was kind of right in the corner of the end zone. And that's where actually when I was down the field, I was standing almost right on home plate to watch the game. And that was pretty cool. Just kind of like, wow, you know, I'm standing right where Joe Mauer used to stand, you know, watching this football game. Um, and so, I, you know, I think it was it it sort of, I guess, would say checked all the boxes of what they were trying to accomplish. You know, this was about rewarding their players and coaches with a unique experience, Uh, Reaching out to some alums in the Twin Cities. Just trying to do something different. Trying to, hey, you know, this program, and Jimmy Rogers alluded to this in the week, this program's accomplished a lot. You know, getting to the National Championship game, putting guys in the NFL, developing into this big-time program. How many things are there left that you can do that they haven't done yet? This was kind of one of those things. And like I said, it wasn't like this amazing, oh, my God, this was unlike anything ever. It was just kind of, that was cool. You know, and like I said, I'll be a little bit surprised if they do it again. I kinda think it's probably a one time thing. Yeah. But it was a really cool one time thing.
0: Um I, I'm always I've always been fascinated. I think a lot of guys our age are that grew up in the cookie cutter stadium era mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where most of us born in the seventies or early eighties, we remember almost every team in the NFL and in, in Major League Baseball for a time had the combined football baseball stadium. They all looked the same. And it all seems like a terrible, wretched idea now, like Mm -hmm. how bad it was to watch both sports, particularly baseball in Mm -hmm. those places. Mm -hmm. And Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Oakland, just keep naming it. Kansas City was way ahead of its time where uh, they had an old, dumpy stadium in downtown KC that was a lot like Municipal Stadium in uh, Bloomington, where Mm -hmm. the Twins and Vikings played. And the, the Met, and the, the, Met. The, the, the Met, and the Chiefs. Just uh, well, yeah, Municipal Stadium was KC, and uh, Kansas City. The Chiefs and the Royals just got together in the early seventies, right when all these other stupid stadiums were being built, and said, "No, mm-hmm. we're going to build. We'll build stadiums in the same place, to, big parking lot away from downtown, which sucks, but and we're just, you know, we'll have real stadiums for both teams, and it'll be a better viewing experience for the fans, better ex- playing experience for the players." and of course now those cookie cutter stadiums are gone and you don't see it anymore and i to see some of the highlights and pictures of this it took me back to how ridiculous but ridiculously normal it was for all of us growing up watching football in the 80s and 90s to see a fucking baseball field on a yeah baseball dirt an infield on a football Mm -hmm. field and in a way it was nostalgic and kind of retro cool that way Mm -hmm. but it's not just that it's it's where people sit to watch this thing. You see the old pictures of, like, Cleveland's Municipal Stadium, which is just giant. Mm-hmm. It's just this vast thing where, again, it's just the baseball fans are too far away, the football fans are too far away, and they p- kind of put the field right down the middle. Look like they tilted this field, as you said, to one, like, down the left field, Third base side, was that mm-hmm. where they tilted the field? One that's end that's basically where everybody sat? One end zone was in front of the left field home yeah. run porch. Yes, I saw the And the, the other end post. zone was right
1: in front of the first base Twins home okay. dugout. Okay. And uh, so the prime football seating was right down the third base line because then you were kind of on the 50-yard yeah. line. And there were more people, because I I'd heard that, oh, maybe they're going to fill the lower bowl. Well, they, the lower bowl was pretty full, but the more people were sitting in the upper deck – On the third baseline, then we're sitting in the lower level on, say, the first base side or even behind home plate because it was still a better view. And one great thing about target field is even if you're in the second level, third level, you're still really close because that stadium goes straight up. So if you're watching a football game, yeah, you'd still rather be in the upper deck right over that, you know, the sideline of the football field than be really close, you know, third or fourth row but you're way off in the corner, not having a good view of, of, the, of the ball going left yeah. to right or right to left on the field. Did that,
0: did that at all affect the, I guess, acoustics or the ambiance of it? Well, like
1: I said, it was not – I never felt like it got especially loud in there. Um, the, the fans were not real close to the action, at least as far as, you know, in, at Dana J. Deckhouse Stadium, and if you're in the front row, you're pretty close. Right Those fields are sort of – or fans are sort of right on top. Uh you know, the, the student section in the end zone it w- wasn't quite the same. Um, but again, I mean, if, if you kind of ignored... Like, the whole right field was just dead area. You know, that was just because the, the football field just took up the left side. So there was nobody over there. But if you just looked, like, from, say, where first base is, which would have been on the far sideline, all the way over to the wall on the third baseline, which was, again, the, the Jack's home sideline... It was packed over there, yeah, and and it was I think a a good atmosphere. I wouldn't say it was crazy nuts, oh my god, but it was it was good. You didn't you didn't look at it and go like, oh man, there's nobody here, or this is lame, or everything's too spread out, or it it did it in no way
0: was like made you feel like oh this was a mistake. Yeah, it was cool. Okay, and yeah, everything was done well and done right, and (laughs) the twins were really (coughs) cool. About
1: as far as I could tell, everything. Excuse me. You know, I don't know if you saw the video, the Jacks gave a game ball to Kip Elliott, the executive, or I should say assistant vice president or whatever he is, um, of the Twins. Kind of runs target field or the operations. Or at least he did in this particular case. Um, They very much made the Jacks and Drake, you know, feel at home. It wasn't, you know, I kind of wondered, is this going to be one of those things like, well, okay, you're using our place, but, you know, don't go here, you can't go here, don't touch this. And it wasn't like that at all. Uh, especially just how they treated the media. There wasn't very much media there to cover it. It was basically just the Sioux Falls media, and I don't think there was anybody local was there. Like, you know. So we had the whole press box to ourselves, and they were very, very chill about, If you want to go down the field? Cool. You had to take the tunnel from uh, the cuts right through the visitors' clubhouse area right into their dugout. You know, we were kind of hanging out down there um, to, to be able to just, you know, basically treat it like home. Uh, from from yeah. a player standpoint to the media standpoint to the fans, everything was really cool.
0: Awesome. Was there, uh, well, by the way, the press box, was that like behind home plate press yes, box? Yes. So it was a weird corner yeah, view. Yeah, so we didn't
1: have an awesome view f- for, for a football standpoint from the press box. Yeah. Which is part of why I want to go down on the field. But also they have a gigantic video board. It's pretty easy to just watch the game from there. Okay. Um, but yeah, when the, when the Jacks were going towards the left field end zone, it wasn't a great view. They were going away from us. Um, uh, but, you know, like I, I, I said, uh, Target Field is a very small plot of land for a major stadium. Absolutely. Um, so that means
0: that no matter where you are, you're not that far away. Yep. It's a, it's a testament to another subject of where anytime every, anybody gets their panties in a wad, in any city I've lived, Omaha, Lincoln, Sioux Falls, or following the downtown stadium debate for the Twins back in the day of there's no place to put, I kept hearing, I hear that all the time, still about the Canaries, there's no place to put a stadium, like, oh, no, there's, there's, yeah. city engineers can always figure out a way, yeah. and it's usually on kind of the edge of a downtown, which Target Field is, and it is almost a miracle how they fit a baseball stadium oh, yeah, in there. Oh, when they showed the drawings, you know, 15 years ago, I was like, what? Yeah. You're going to put a ballpark there? Yeah. But,
1: and, and you can still sort of see it, like, I was talking to Curtis Riggs before the game, he was in the press box, he had never been to Target Field, huh. and, it was funny to hear him say the same thing that everybody says the first time they go to Target Field, which is, you, you can't find it, and then all of a sudden, it's right there. Yeah. You know, you're kind of you used to being in a major city with a ballpark and going to the ballpark. Like, oh, there it is. Yeah. You can see it from four blocks away, because it's gigantic. Mm-hmm. In Minneapolis, you can be right next to Target Field and not even see it. Right. It's just so tightly packed into this little space. And, and that's a good thing. I mean, that is a compliment. Like, that's one of the cool things about it is it can be a little hard to find, but also because they jammed it in there, and that's part of why
0: it's such a great place to watch a game. Any uh, – you mentioned they put the pedal to the metal, which they didn't quite do against Western Oregon. Mm-hmm. And this was their last game before a bye week, and then you start Missouri Valley uh-huh. play, and uh-huh. you start against a decent team. In North Dakota, so what were your major football observations? They looked really good, and it is hard to judge a little bit just because Drake, I don't think, is very good at all. Coming off a loss to Northwestern of Iowa. Right. They came out (laughs) out and
1: they complete a 50-yard pass on the very first play from scrimmage, and then two plays later complete a 30-yard pass for a touchdown, which is good for them. You know, you don't want them, you don't want Drake to come out and get completely humiliated in a situation like that. They're kind of doing you a favor by going to that game. I mean, not that they're going to turn down that opportunity, but this was supposed to be a game in Brookings. Drake was like, "Yeah, cool, let's go." You don't want to humiliate them, and the score was bad, obviously seventy to seven. Uh, but Drake's coach said after the game, he was like, "It got a little out of hand, and that's disappointing." But hey, guess what? That was pretty cool. We got to go experience something pretty neat. Jacks paid him two hundred grand to come, and you know they got a touchdown. They took the lead. They were ahead seven nothing. That was the end of their highlights for the day. But good for them. At least they got to. You know, have a positive there, and and then yeah, like I kind of predicted last week on the podcast. Like I suspected that they were gonna beat Drake a lot worse than they beat uh, Western Oregon. That there was gonna be like, hey, it's not that they're trying to run up the score or build up statistics or anything, but just like, hey, we got to be ready to go for conference play. Yeah, we we don't want to just go through the motions and oh, let's not let's not run up the score. Let's take it easy. Easy. I don't know. You gotta you gotta get your work in. And if that means you win fifty-six to ten, or it means you win eighty-four to three, they needed to get their work in, and I think they did.
0: When did the backups come in?
1: Uh, Mid third quarter, I think. I think Gronowski got them to fifty-six, either forty-nine or fifty-six. Wow, I can't remember because yeah, there were people kind of saying like that were standing around, or even I, that I saw on Twitter like get them out of there, get them out of there. And I was going like, no, I don't think so. I think they're gonna lean in a little longer because guess what? He played 12 plays against Western Oregon, you know, and 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 that's what happened. They he he stayed in there a little longer. And Jimmy Rogers made a point to say after the game when we asked him about you know just what he liked. He's like, we got you know, our starters did what we needed him to do, and then we got our twos in and they got their work in too. So I yeah. think it was again 70 to 7, 38 to 7. The score wasn't really gonna be what it was about. It was did they come out of there looking sharp, looking ready for conference play, and I think they do.
0: You know, I, I love this podcast to be a learning tool for, for football fans out there, <laughs> so maybe if you just picked up on what Mr. Zimmer just taught the class, is when you're sitting at home watching a game or watching a bunch here at the Gateway Lounge Hall on a Saturday or Sunday, uh, maybe, just maybe, when it's been... Think about not the score, but the time in the game it is at when it's a blowout and when <coughs> your team's taking out the starters or the team that's killing you is taking out the mm-hmm. starters. Mm-hmm. And how many play, you mentioned the pl- how many plays, how many right. reps have they got right. in, in there? Uh, most a, people, because most people look at the score. Right. And because A, okay, they're just running it up with a bunch of classless thugs yep. if it's too many points and, and the starters are still in. And B, uh, it's also... If it's your team, like, hey, the guy might senselessly get hurt. Why are they still in there? Yeah, yeah. And it's I think it's it feels like coaches are more thinking about reps yeah. and plays. I have
1: often thought um, last year and in previous years, there were a lot of times I'd look, why is Taryn Christian still in the game? Why is Mark Gronowski still in the game? Um, so I'm not saying that I never make that criticism. I've made it many times. But Jimmy Rogers made a point to say in that Western Oregon game, because it was, they only scored forty five points, and they had two pick sixes in that game. So the offense scored what twenty eight points? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, yeah. I think he said Gronowski was on the field for like sixteen snaps. Yeah, that's not enough. That's one drive. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. depending on, I mean, I remember I covered a, a high school game forever ago when Aaron Beavers was coaching Lincoln, and they got into the eighties. and no. and I asked Aaron about. I didn't crit- accuse him of running up the score. I just asked him, like, you know, how do you balance that? And his answer made so much sense. He's like, you know, my starters need to be ready for the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And we're playing some of these teams where we score on one or two plays every time we Uh, get the ball. So I'm supposed to take my starting quarterback out because it's 48 nothing. He's taken six snaps, you know. (laughs) Like, he practiced all week. And he gets to play six six plays. Like, that's no fun. That's not fair. You know, and that kind of, I think, as you alluded to, People need to think of it in those terms. Sometimes, yes, you don't want to. You never want to embarrass other teams, whether it's high school, college, or pros. You don't want to be a dick about it. You don't want to be, you know, calling timeouts to preserve time to score again. You don't want to be throwing it on third down if yeah. you're ahead by 50. Um, but to think that you're just supposed to, you know, put the absolute scr- scrubs of the scrubs in there and you know just essentially take a knee on every play there's other
0: considerations sure you run into a you run into the occasional game especially when we get to the fourth quarter whether backups are starters are in but especially when the backups come in and they're still kind of you, you, okay, throw a screen pass every now and then, but sometimes uh, they throw the occasional right, three-step drop, right. deep drop. and Or and snapping the ball with 18 seconds left it, in the play clock. It, you yeah, don't need to do yes, that. Run it down yes. to one or two. And, and it happens. Know. It's happened in high school this year. And um, I'll always give a coach an opportunity to explain himself and why they did that. But that, that's when fans sometimes are the more sensible people where we're sitting there and going, "Look, let's." I, I get you want your backups to – you know get a, get a chance to make a play or two every now and then they work really hard too the, sometimes they don't get this kind of, this these chances very often and at the same time it's like run the ball up the middle punt let's get out of here let's everybody wants to get out of here what yeah. are you, why are you doing this
1: i was a scrub in high school so the only time i ever got to play was those kind of situations and I remember once my junior senior year, I don't remember, I was in at quarterback, and Kim Nelson was my coach, and he just told me when he sent me out there, he goes, "Just run a quarterback sneak on every play. Was like you don't need to huddle, just run a quarterback
0: sneak on every play." Did did did, did, you, did you take offense to that? No, like, I was I like, like, cool. I'm the
1: quarterback, I get to run the ball, so I was well, happy. Well, true. Um, I would, yeah, I would have liked to throw it, you know, yeah. but but the funny thing was on one of those plays, I got into the second level, and I realized like. I'll never forget this. I got in the second level, and there's just one guy there. And I'm like, if I break this tackle, I'm going to score a touchdown. Yeah. And I kind of tried to put a juke on him. I don't know if it was a linebacker or a safety. But I juked him and kind of got past him. And my eyes got big, and I was like, here's my moment. I'm going to score a touchdown. And the guy must have just reached back with his hand. Oh, no. And just caught my foot, so he tripped me up. And I uh. fell, tackled. <laughs> and so I was but like, you oh, hold on to the ball? Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. No, but the, the point is, so I, I and I think that was third down. So I jog off the field, and I'm just like, oh, man. You know, that was so close. And I get back to the sidelines. Kim's standing there. I was like, did you see that? Like, I was one inch away from breaking that for a touchdown. He goes, I did see that, and I'm really glad he tackled you. And I was 16 years old, so I didn't get it. You know, I was like, what do you mean you're glad he tackled me? Like, I'm going to score a touchdown. And then he's kind of like, yeah, we're ahead 49 to 7. We don't need another touchdown. Like, that's that's why I was calling quarterback sneak. You're not supposed to score a touchdown. I was kind of like, oh, all right. But I still, to this day, think, man,
0: if that guy hadn't got that <laughs> hand up, I could have had my, that. Could have been my moment. Uh, oh, and that was it. That was your only chance. That was the story. Oh uh, no, that was your only chance ever. That was the only um, chance. You the ever
1: closest I ever came to score in a touchdown in a varsity okay. game. I mean, I got, like I said, I got s- several garbage time opportunities, and and I had a few few times where I like got to play, play. But that was that was the closest I ever came to scoring a touchdown.
0: Oh, that's a good story. Um, it will. It also, you mentioned the Western Oregon game and the two picks for score. It was two pick sixes or just two in Western Oregon, scores? yeah. Okay. No, it was two pick sixes. So, and, and last night Steelers Browns, they had two defensive touchdowns, yep. and of course Pittsburgh celebrating that like good old fashioned Steeler defense. All right, and ah, the, the, their their offense looked so bad in doing it, and yet I wonder because a, a lot of us like to look at stats whether we're media broadcasters writers uh, or fans just to make our points about things and hey this team's averaging 23 points a game or 35 points a game those defensive touchdowns shouldn't count toward right. you know what I'm saying yeah. like yeah. of course there's so few of them that they're such aberrations that they right. probably get swallowed up in the average anyway but, For the I, most I, part, so, but yeah. anyway okay just a, just a random thought by John there there John's no you're right. There uh all right so so no real revelations about any players or the football team uh, the only thing I would say that
1: really stood out to me was once again Chase Mason holy shit yeah like that guy's a dude okay how you know I, I don't want to get the cart before the horse here because again both times he was playing against essentially a sub D1 yeah. level team yeah and you know doing that in a, a real quote unquote scenario is a lot different but man, the guy's good. No surprise there. I mean, this guy had scholarship offer for, for, for football from Fresno State when Kalen DeBoer was there, was going to be the starting center fielder for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Obviously, the athleticism's there. It just makes you wonder, you know, you, you can't waste a guy like that just being your QB, two. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's getting to play right now because those games are, you know, do you, do you start finding a, a package for him? Uh, you know do you maybe experiment with him at some other positions there's been a a ton of talk about him being a tight end or a d end and chase himself has always been very i'm a quarterback i came here to play quarterback Mm -hmm. understandably look at him yeah it's not just the running. he's got these two long touchdown runs but the two or three times a game he's gotten a chance to throw oh yeah that guy threw 95 miles an hour as a pitcher i can see it Mm. you know the guy's got a cannon Mm -hmm. so that's been really something to watch and obviously nobody's you know, hoping to see Mark Gronowski go down. But but if he were to or anything were to happen, all of a, I had somebody say to me the other day, like, what are the chances that South Dakota State has the two best quarterbacks in FCS football on their team right now? Okay. Thought, thought, again, might be getting the cart before the horse a little bit. But just yeah just even entertaining the thought, I thought was kinda
0: like, oh that's that's interesting. It it would be it would Interesting, and you're saying perhaps if something freaky happened, which does, and it does happen in Jackrabbit football to a quarterback occasionally, that things could be okay with Chase Mason back there. Is that kind of a conclusion that was drawn? It sure you looks don't like know until like, well, you know exactly, until he faces exactly. an actual it's, Mo Valley it's, team. it's
1: different in those garbage time games against yeah. bad teams, but yeah. you know we've, we've seen other backup Jackrabbit quarterbacks come in in those situations and not quite look like that. Yeah.
0: Okay. And then a week off and you got uh, good old North Dakota coming into Dana J. Dykow Stadium. What you gonna do this week? You gonna cover game? Augie's at uh, home. Yeah, I think hey, I'm gonna both Augie and USF, right?
1: Yeah, I think uh, Trent, our new guy, is gonna cover the Augie game and I'm gonna go to the USF
0: game. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, so I fe- Husker football right now to me, that was this was my trip over oh, the weekend. Who did they play again? Northern Illinois. The fighting lost Eric lost to Southern Illinois. We lost yeah. to Southern Illinois. The fighting Eric Eisnesses. And I'm, I, I knew nothing about NAU coming into the game, obviously. I know who Eric Eisness was and watched Dan it. Dan Jackson and in, was there for a while. He's not at Vanderbilt. Okay. But, yeah. And the defensive coordinator is Nick Benedetto, who is oh, Vince's right. Right. brother. or yeah, Vince's brother, brother, I think. Yes. Or cousin or brother. Or cousin, yeah. Maybe Mike. might I'm be sure uh, Mark's son. But but former, former the, USF player yeah, and DC. Part yeah. of the Benedetto family of South Dakota football players and coaches. Uh, so I know Vince, who's the I Jefferson. I forgot that coach. Nick was there. Yeah. He had been at Samford. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. If you don't mind, since I don't want to use my phone to do anything while it sits there and records, uh, you can look up. I think Nick's the NIU deal. This just showed up in my
1: mentions on Twitter. Yourself.
0: Okay. <laughs> Too bad we can't take a picture of that. <laughs> in your mentions, e- Elon. Come on, man. Get this thing <laughs> under control. What is going on? What, why was somebody? Why was somebody? That was directly to you. Yeah. It's kinda. Yeah. Oh. Wow kind of appeal do you have it was a bot john oh sure sure (laughs) a bot nonetheless what am i looking up for you here nick benedetto does he what's his position on the niu staff i'm assuming he's the dc i think i'm pretty sure he is but i don't want to get that wrong and i i uh anyway well you look that up yeah he's the dc yeah he did all right uh, you know, Nebraska won this game 35 to three. I think maybe it was 35-10. We left before there may have been a, a late garbage touchdown, uh, and I felt really bad for Eric Eidsness. And this is going off of no Northern Illinois football knowledge. We drove, okay. da- you know, I had Wes Bashanner's on that staff. Wow, Adam Bashanner. Adam Breski's on that staff. Shoner
1: played quarterback for USD, didn't he? He was going to be USF's OC this That's, year for Wlagauskis, okay. and then yeah. he left. All right. So, yeah, and Adam Breske, who's been at USD and USF, and then, uh, like I said, um, Dan Jackson, who was SDSU's recording, recruiting yeah. coordinator and assistant head coach, was at NIU, too. Now he's at Vanderbilt. But. Well, so, yeah, NIU is practically, you know, South Dakota East.
0: Yeah, and so they held their own, although they never had a shot in this game. Uh, their offense just looked... Terrible and well, they only scored 11 against southern Illinois, so they right. must be rebuilding. It, it, or they must not something. have the dudes. I yeah. felt bad for Eric because I'm like, I know Eric I, this is a really good mm-hmm. offensive coordinator, but they had no, they Just had, a couple of years ago, they won eight or nine games. Yeah, yeah, they had zero imagination on offense. Uh, number, I really mean, trying to shorten the game and get out of there without they, getting their ass. They kicked. clearly were, yeah, clearly were. I yeah. mean, it was, um. It, it was really sad because it was enjoyable for me as a Husker fan because they're 0-2. They, you know, they've been playing with a stick of dynamite and it's blowing up in their face every year for the last t- 10 years or so. <laughs> and uh, it was nice to watch them play competent, decent, uh, fairly mistake-free football. It looked a lot like Iowa and Minnesota. It did. They had a lot of, lot of tight ends, a lot of fullbacks in there, a lot of runs up the middle, a lot of, lot of passing to the running back and tight ends, but you know what? It got some yards. Occasionally they had the punt. We don't like that at Nebraska. We don't like the punt. But, you know, it flips the field. And Northern Illinois would just come right back and go three and out with unimaginative, risk-free plays. Quarterback was running for his life. It felt really good as a Husker fan to to watch that and for at least a year maybe be a little bit more like Iowa and Minnesota. I don't want to be like them forever, I'd like to win more than six or seven or eight games a year. Average more than 16 points a year. Yeah, I mean, you know, but good solid, Nebraska football to me is like, it's on a juice cleanse right now, you know, it's too many years where they've just had too many cocktails chasing the party, chasing the big points, chasing the big plays. Was there a sense in between
1: seasons here since Rule got hired, that Nebraska could jump right back in and be at the very least, say a bowl team? Sure. Was yeah, there? Yeah. Because I kinda look, I told you I thought Rule was a great hire. Yeah. But part part of the reason I thought he was a great hire was I got the sense that because of how out of control things went yeah but first
0: with Riley but then especially under Frost well things were there were some under there were some not under control things under Bo too bigger sure sure bigger but I mean, it obviously
1: just kept getting yes. somehow worked
0: yep. there was no bottom yeah. for a while there right you know I mean when they lost under Polini they lost big they lost yes big. but with anyway. under
1: Frost it got right. you know what are you Bowling Green now like yeah down.
0: yes um, so well, I just kind of felt like lost to Georgia Southern right
1: I felt like with Rule, it was like, go ahead and go 2-10 mm-hmm. the first year. That's what he like, does. Take Play the long game. If, yep. if you're terrible for three years, two years, who cares? Yep. You know? This is a guy who it feels like could bring some stability, build an actual yep. you know program back, and if that means you're god-awful for a couple of years, so be it.
0: He's given every indication that that's what he wants to do, but he's also, I think... Uh, the the sense is that he's going to this kind of Iowa and Minnesota offense for now because he's personnel that he has. Plus, it gives them a better chance to win the game. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. You don't have to be like... This is what Bill, by the way, this is what Bill Callahan did. It's kind of what Mike Riley did, where it was. But it's harder for
1: the other team to score 60 points if they only snap the ball 45 times. Right.
0: Yeah, yeah Exactly. Yeah. That's not what Bill Callahan and Mike Riley want to do. Is Bill Callahan's the ultimate example. I got my West Coast offense that I used with the Oakland Raiders, and we're going to take the square peg, jam it into a round hole. Right. We're going to take Jamal Lord, an option quarterback who can't throw <laughs> for shit. He can't throw for shit. All he can do is run and hand it off. But we're going to run my little West Coast system, where you've got this telephone book of a playbook, and you're going to have to memorize it. You're going to have to read defenses, and mm-hmm. you're just asking—you're playing with fire. Uh-huh. But we're going to run our system your one, so all the guys in our program are going to know our That's not what Matt Rule is doing. I don't think they're going to be meat and potatoes, but they're—they're they're thinking we're going to. This is the best way we can win with these guys right now. And yes, I think the long game is shortening the game, and then so eventually still, they're going.
1: Is there still a? a subset, I guess, of Nebraska fans that are still delusional or, or just impatient that they don't
0: want to sit through a couple of two and ten seasons? I can't speak for too many fans. I think everybody was – I I felt – Not like, that it would matter because – yeah the These first – Nebraska lost while playing this way the first two games, although they almost beat – should have beaten Minnesota. They right. just turned it over two or three times. Right. But yeah. they played the little – Could have won that game. They played the little cat and mouse barging uh, down – the battleship barging down the field, punt and field position game with Minnesota all night – Certainly felt good because they led most of the game. They looked like they were going to win. Colorado was just – quarterback fumbled a few times, but they were they, – it was only a half and a, and a, and a half a quarter. But they played, they rolled right with Colorado's good athletes with that offensive game plan. Anyway, they win easily doing it against Northern Illinois. And, yes, you just kind of get the sense, for me – that a calm fills the air. It was nice to see uh-huh. people not, players not shitting all over themselves, and coaches outthinking themselves, mm-hmm. even against Northern Illinois. But I do, I, it wasn't a, it wasn't a great test. Let's put it that way, because that, as you mentioned, that's a team that lost to, and scored 11 points on Southern Illinois. But it was nice for a night, and I'm fine with the juice cleanse for this year. Let's just, uh, let's make it, because Northern Illinois used to be the kind of program Nebraska would go and beat. 40, the score. 49-10, right? yeah, 56. Yeah. 40. Yeah. It, so it was weird, like it's it was only 14-3 to 3 or 21-3 at halftime. It's okay. Mm-hmm. it's okay. We know why it was, because everything was really slow, and it took a while, and the game was short. So uh, they have Louisiana Tech on Saturday. And I just I felt bad for Eric Iadsness, but maybe hopefully his <laughs> – I don't know what's going on over there. Hopefully there's an understanding that uh, he must not have much to work with. I wouldn't think that –
1: him or head coach Thomas Hammock Because he was a trouble or anything. Okay, like I said, just a couple years ago, they were in a bowl game, won like eight, nine, maybe even ten games. They and, had a really good year, and
0: he was a ago. guy that was reasonably inventive with a lot of variety and with his offense. He, he go for broke.
1: He was Darren Christian. That yeah. was you know, there. You know He made that guy. You know. All right, uh, Zenner, Yeah, that was him.
0: Okay. Oh, here's uh, here's uh, almost weekly, Gaskins and Zimmer. Nobody's listening anyway. Sign that we're old. I saw, I saw a picture of Wayne Fonts. Remember the Lions coach, Wayne Rasputin. Fonts? Yes, I remember. <sighs> I, I, I should have sent it to you this morning. Like it, he <laughs> Wayne Fonts just visited a Lions game and somebody took a picture of him alive. on the field. He's still alive. <laughs> Why does that seem like a miracle to I you? I just assumed he was dead. Not the healthiest looking guy. Yeah. I mean, he's probably. 30 years. Gotta 20 be years. His, yeah, he's got to be in his 70s or 80s. But it was like, you know, he's just this jolly uh-huh. kind of guy. Kind of jo- jolly chubby guy, and, and he, um, I just, I feel it, it was like, wow, Wayne. He, well, he looked dead. He looked like a walking. Was dead he at person. the Lions game? Yeah, he was so at that's the Lions why they game because yeah, Wayne. <laughs> <was>. <laughs> uh, what do you make of the Vikings and the Eagles and the zero and two stars? I mean, they could easily be two and zero, mm-hmm. but. Seven turnovers. Yeah, and if you take two or three of them back, they could be two and zero. Definitely you know, be one and one. A
1: few of them have been kind of fluky, obviously, but that's always the case with turnovers. Not every one of them is, you know, just a blatantly bad read or whatever. But that, to me, honestly, and I'm not, you know, calling for the guy's head or anything. To me, that's on Kevin O'Connell. I mean, for that to be such a blatant issue in consecutive games, like, are you even, you know, maybe you should, maybe you should take a minute to talk about ball security. I mean, I realize this isn't high school football, but. That it just kind of it became comical, you know. Uh, oh, oh, they get the ball back turnover. Oh, they ball back turnover. Like, what are you doing? You know, Kirk Cousins has been, from a strictly passing standpoint, brilliant through two games, um, but the turnovers have given them no chance. Alexander Madison looks terrible. Um, I'm not yeah. saying they miss Dalvin Cook necessarily, but what did almost every Vikings fan say? Yeah, we're ready to move on from Dalvin Cook. That doesn't mean we necessarily think Madison's the guy, and he doesn't look like the guy. No. Um, and you know, the O line looks terrible. The defense And it's hurt. uh, uh, Yes. Yes. Defense has its moments, but also just when you think like they're figuring it out, they give up a a huge drive that affects the game. So I don't know. I I wasn't as you know, I was not high on the Vikings going into the season. Uh, I felt like the opener against Tampa Bay was almost a must-win. And I know that's silly to say the first game of the year is a must-win. But just based on the degree of difficulty on their schedule, that was one of their easier yes, games. Yes, absolutely. And they lost. That's them. one of their wins. And so I kind of almost gave up on them after week one. <laughs> and, you know, to their credit, at Philly's a tough place to win, and they and they gave it a shot. But Good. and now Green Bay and Detroit losing this week but are only a game out, yeah. you know. So it's not over, obviously. I guess I have to sort of invest in the idea that they could still contend. Because I do think the Lions are the best team in the division, but I still think they're the Lions. The Lions are going to Lions. They're mm-hmm. ju- they just are. And, and they just did. Yeah, and I, don't, I have no idea what to make of the Packers. Jordan Love looks good, but, you know, how good? Uh, it's, you know, the NFC North looks kind of like it's going to be the AL Central all over again. So... Whatever team goes nine and eight probably ends up winning that division. I don't know.
0: Well, the, you go right back when a team goes zero and two, you look it up or you just hear it. Somebody's going to say it. Yeah, seventeen percent of teams, ten, whatever it is. Yeah, nine and a half percent. Is it really that? At zero and two. Yeah. That's what I saw. So when you're zero and three, that's like almost impossible. You go from really difficult to impossible. Although I did hear a good point the other day that it's a 17 game schedule now, so perhaps it a little bit. So perhaps and it is going
1: to be a bad division.
0: It's a bad it division. Is. And by the way, because I spent some time writing on my little notepad all the NFL games this year instead uh, this week instead of you know printing out, taking my or? looking at no looking it up on my phone, which we can do everything with now. Uh, I've got the uh, the Lions are hosting Atlanta on Sunday. The Packers are hosting the Saints. So those are both like Atlanta. I think is two and zero. Both but you, feel like pickums. Uh, no. Exactly, like no. coin flips. But this, I mean, this game the Chargers are 0-2. This is desperation Sunday. That's gonna be. Is it in Minneapolis? Theatrical. It's in Minneapolis. Yeah. It feels like, and this is not a knock on Kirk Cousins, but it kind of is. Noon game. gets an zero two team Sunday. It, Kirk's gonna let her rip. He's gonna. They're gonna rack it up right Maybe. away if they don't turn it over the the, the Pollyannish Vikings fans could look at that Philly game and go, "Ooh, just didn't turn." Well, you have, to, you have to you have to account for the turnovers. Right, uh, you can't just say if we wouldn't have turned. That's a big part of football. You can't your your team if your team turns it over a lot, it's got a turnover problem. The other one is though, one of those turnovers was the Justin Jefferson reaching for the end zone play, yeah. which uh, it felt was universally accepted as the one of the worst rules in sports. That, that goes down as a fumble. and It is a dumb rule, but
1: Justin Jefferson also knows the rule, so yeah. he should not have allowed that to happen. Yeah,
0: and if that doesn't happen, then technically, I mean, right. you could take that right. away or the right. Vikings score on the next right. play. It's a very right. different game. All uh, right, by the way, uh, Sunday's going to – Saturday and Sunday are going to be – I know, we're, we're, we're wrapping her up. Saturday and Sunday are going to be – uh, fun football days. Uh, Saturday's going to be awesome for college football. What a great week! If you're a Jax fan and you happen to have interest, or a Yotes fan, you happen to have interest in uh, big, bigger boy college football. Uh, wow, you got a lot of good stuff to watch here at Ooh, Gateway. Spent out. Jeez, you, do you hear yourself sometimes? Well, first of all, I'm going <laughs> to say. These people do help us out here, so I so I am I was telling people this is a gateway Lounge will be a good place to go. What do you mean? Do I hear myself sometimes? <laughs> You're doing it right now. Ooh, squirrel. Yeah. Okay. Uh, FSU Clemson, OU Cincinnati at 11 o'clock. That's a good. That's a good appetizer. 2:30 window. Huskers in Louisiana Tech will be on. Colorado and Oregon. I mean, that's going to still be the uh, eye uh, of uh, everybody, the apple of everyone's eye. Or do you want to keep seeing Dion win or see him get
1: beat? We watched Colorado, Colorado State with a 100-some Jax fans in downtown Minneapolis on Saturday night. That was fun. Yeah. I, Everyone uh, was rooting for Colorado. Kind of surprised. Colorado. Everyone's yeah. rooting for Colorado. Yeah, yeah. everyone's
0: yeah. on the that Dion train. Was, that surprises me. Yeah. I was. Uh, I was kind of pulling for CSU. I was, but not strongly. I, I was at a gay bar in downtown Lincoln watching a drag show and constantly looking <laughs> on my phone trying to get it on my Hulu. I bet everyone there was. And on I didn't their phone get my Wi-Fi. in that game. Yeah. <laughs> They should have been. I was like, I wish I was at a bar, like any other bar on O Street and Lincoln is going to have this game on a TV and everybody's gonna be watching it. That'd be fun. So I have to, I have to keep checking the old fashioned way. What's the score? What's the score? I actually did tweet somebody a picture of, no, I tweeted a picture of the drag show and I said, call. can anyone update me on this thing? Anyway, Colorado, Oregon at 2.30. Uh, UCLA, Utah, Ole Miss, Alabama. Night games are gonna be Oregon State and Washington State. Look at that. The two, te- the two teams left out of the uh, yeah. of major conferences, Fighting Jake Dickerts. and they're uh, both ranked in the top twenty-five. They're playing each other: Arkansas, LSU, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Ooh. Iowa, Penn State, Ooh. and uh, the Gophers are also playing at night at Northwestern. Uh, yeah. So, if you know, if you know, if you don't want to just sit around and f- sit at home and flip around, you want to watch them all at once. It's all it's all it's always a great place to do it on Sundays. Because it's the N F freaking L, but uh, Saturday could be, be a good time to be here at the Gateway Lounge. And since I did spend some time writing stuff down on Saturday, a cool thing is going to happen here from one to five p.m. You can read that while I go. Back. Okay, you're going to go pee. Good reason to, be, good reason to be here. Uh, so a, a, a good friend and a regular patron of the Gateway Lounge, uh, his Jordan, his his in-laws came home from a trip from Ohio last month and discovered that someone had broken into their house of 35 years, uh, a couple blocks from the Gateway Lounge. Broke into it, uh, they destroyed a lot of it, uh, stole vehicles, a car, uh, a lot of their memories. I mean, at least leave the pictures and the memories behind, but they stole that too. So just a bunch of bastards broke into, uh, basically a Gateway Lounge family friend house, so, on Saturday, they're going to do a very cool thing from 1 to 5. Come on by the Gateway. $20, all you can drink. And there'll be a silent auction, a 50-50 raffle, a $50 raffle. Uh, combined Pool and spas kicking in on this deal. And there's going to be a, a raffle for a five-piece fire pit and patio set. There's only going to be 150 tickets for that. But a good way to come down and have... All these proceeds go to the family of John and Mary Bucknell. Uh, So, Saturday, 1 to 5, a fundraiser for the Bucknells, whose house was broken into and basically everything was taken. You can't replace all those things, especially the memories uh, with money, but it certainly helps. And and another cool deal, we'll give a shout out to Shenanigans Sports Bar and Grill. Sunday, October 1st, they're going to do a fundraiser from noon to 4, a $20 taco bar for a Roosevelt soccer player. This was my story on the news yesterday uh, named Dawson Aberson. Uh, he collided, uh, a head-to-head collision, a head-to-face collision. He's a goalkeeper for Roosevelt, collided with a kid from Harrisburg last Thursday and all kinds of damage to his eye and his face, gruesome. And... Um, just a horrible deal, and so a, a fundraiser at Shenanigans Sunday, October first, for Dawson Aberson. So put that on your radar; that'd be awesome. And um, Mr. Zimmer, you enjoy your uh, your non-Jackrabbit Saturday. We didn't even talk about the Sanford International. Steve Stricker, the Tiger Woods of the uh, Senior Tour.
1: He is a... just
0: a machine. Just wait till you're the, one of the youngest of the old guys, and then everything gets easy for y- you. Yeah. No kidding. He's won uh, 17 of his 62. Starts of that tour. Six this he, win- year. he wins more than one fourth of the time. Yeah. Read Zimmer's story about it. Okay, goodbye. Why are you laughing? That was a terrible
1: outro. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> you drink? Yes.